Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Now it is time for part two of my UFC Vegas 58 predictions. Now I've already gone through the preliminary card action, so you can go back and listen to that now if you'd like. And now it's time for me to jump into the main card action. We've got six six fights on this main card, uh, taking place in the UFC Apex, headlined by a lightweight battle of the Raphaels. We have Raphael Fazeev. And Rafael Dos Anjos, which I'll get to that in depth when we get to the main event portion. But for now, look, I've got six fights to get into and the card's tomorrow. So let's get into it nice and quickly, starting with our opening fight in the lightweight division between UFC veteran Michael the Menace Johnson and Australia's own Jamie Malarkey. 36-year-old Michael Johnson returned to the octagon with an emotional round two knockout last time out getting the job done over Alain Patrick, and that broke a four-fight losing skid. So that was back in May. Michael Johnson had definitely been going through some rough patches. He said people stopped calling, lost a lot of friends. You start to work out who the real ones are. And that was Michael Johnson's first win since 2018. As for Jamie Mullarkey, the Australian surged into this year on the back of two straight stoppage victories, before his momentum was brought to a halt at UFC 272 back in March. Jamie was destroyed by Jalen Turner. I think that's fair to say. I know it's a little bit harsh, but he was absolutely dominated by Jalen Turner on the way to the Tarantula picking up a round two technical knockout victory. But we know that Jalen Turner rather is the real deal. So Jamie Malarkey was unlucky to come up against such a stud at that stage of his career, but I have no doubt that Jamie Malarkey is going to be coming into this fight looking for a big response. This is said to be a great fight, but as for who wins, a multitude of options could happen in terms of the finish or if it goes the distance. So I'm definitely exploring all options when it comes to my prediction. And to help give a little bit of clarity, I'm going to look a little bit further into each fighter. I'll start with Jamie Malarkey and the 27-year-old hails from Central Coast, New South Wales. He'll be representing Central Coast MMA and he's a knockout artist as well as being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Jamie's record inside the UFC currently stands at two wins and three losses. As for Michael the Menace Johnson, the 36-year-old American trains at Sanford MMA and he's predominantly a wrestler with very heavy hands. Johnson has a record going into this one, standing at 12 and 13 inside the UFC. Johnson's had a much level, uh, much higher level of competition, so look, he'll definitely be steeled and ready for a fight like this. He's faced the likes of Khabib Nurmagomedov, Dustin Poirier, Josh Emmett, Justin Gaethje, Benil Dariush, Nate Diaz, and he's even beaten Tony Ferguson by unanimous decision. So look, Michael Johnson 
has been there. He's seen the biggest stage. He knows what it's all about. And I think that will equip him really well for a much more scaled down fight in the UFC Apex. Checking out some of the advantages going into this one. Experience definitely lies with Michael Johnson, as I mentioned. I think the speed will be Jamie Malarkey's area where he'll be really good. I think a little bit faster than Michael Johnson given the age discrepancy. In the striking department, I have them fairly even, but grappling, I'll give the edge to Jamie Malarkey. Malarkey will also have a height and reach advantage, so that should really help him in the exchanges on the feet, which is predominantly where I expect this fight to take place. Checking out recent form now, Michael Johnson has losses in four of his past five fights now. Of course, he won his last fight, but overall recent form, four losses in his last five fights. Whereas for Jamie Malarkey, he is not that much better, to be honest. He's only won two of his last five fights. His two wins have been hugely impressive, so I think that does hold him in a bit higher regard going into this one. But with that being said, not a great form line two wins in his last five. Overall, Jamie Malarkey has a professional record standing at 14 wins and five losses. And the key stat for Malarkey is that 10 of 14 of his wins have come by way of knockout. So 10 of 14 wins by knockout for Malarkey with stoppages in 13 of his 14 wins. Overall, Malarkey's wins contain 10 knockouts, three submissions, and one decision. So this guy is a bona fide fight finisher. I think that makes the finish factor pretty high in this one. And another key statistic for Malarkey, when you look at his losses, three of five losses by knockout. So the most times or most methods he's won by have been knockouts, but at the same time, his kryptonite and the thing that he's lost by the most has also been knockouts. Three knockout losses and two decision losses on Malarkey's record. As for Michael Johnson, his overall record stands at 20 wins and 17 losses. And the key statistic for Michael Johnson, nine losses by submission. So that is very clearly his weak point. Malarkey, not the best guy to kind of exploit that, although he's definitely a chance with three submission wins on his resume. But that's the key stat in terms of losses for Michael Johnson. The Menace losing nine times by submission. Johnson's only been KO'd twice though in 37 pro fights, so he's very durable and I think he proves as the perfect test for Jamie Malarkey at this stage in the Australian's career. Johnson's losses contain two knockouts, nine submissions, and he's also lost six times by decision. As for the Menace's 20 wins, they consist of nine knockouts, nine decisions, and two submission victories. So we saw Malarkey, three of his five losses by way of knockout. Well, Michael Johnson, he has won nine times by knockout. So a lot more primed to exploit the weakness of his opposition, as opposed to Malarkey, who also a knockout artist, but Michael Johnson proven to be a lot more durable over a very large portion of time. So very interested to see this one. It's definitely going to be action-packed on the feet. And both of these men are very hungry for a win in a stacked lightweight division. Stylistically, I think Jamie Malarkey is going to look to dictate the pace in this one. And I'm expecting mainly striking, although I do see some wrestling mixing into this one, given that they are both going to be very respecting 
of each other's power. In the end, I've got to make a prediction. So in this contest at 155 pounds, I'm going to take Jamie Malarkey and I'm actually going to go Malarkey by knockout. So look, best bet here is just to go Malarkey head to head. That is my official best bet. But I'm, I'm going to be backing in the Australian. I'm going all in on the Aussie here. So not only am I taking Jamie Malarkey to win, but I'm going Malarkey by knockout, which this one, a bit of a stretch. I can definitely see this one going the full 15 minutes, but you know what? Got to start it off with some Aussie pride. So I'm going to be taking Jamie Malarkey in this main card opener over Michael the Menace Johnson, and I'm going to take Jamie Malarkey by way of knockout. I think he can get it done. And another little prediction, I think if he can get the knockout, then he is going to get a 50k bonus check. So I think if Malarkey can find the knockout, it's going to be enough to earn him that 50k. We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. If he's good enough to get that knockout, I think it's going to be a big one. So taking Jamie Malarkey by knockout, and now let's move on up the card. contest taking place in the women's flyweight division. We've got the 11th ranked Cynthia Calvillo meeting Nina Nunes. Now both are relatively in limbo, not the best recent form to draw on and they are both coming into this one looking for a response. For Calvillo she made her flyweight debut in a main event up against Jessica I back in 2020 scoring the unanimous decision victory, outclassing her opponent over the five rounds. Three straight losses followed that though, which has totally brought undone Calvillo's move up to 125, with a unanimous decision to Catelyn Chikagan being the first loss in that series, before losing in round one via technical knockout up against Jessica Andrade. In her most recent outing, we saw a corner stoppage at the end of round two, with Calvillo deciding that she was no longer fit to continue. She threw in the towel, Andrea Lee getting the win by that method. So that was really interesting. Some questions over whether Calvillo has what it takes in those really tough moments. Although I think she's proven in her other UFC appearances that she is a very, very tough individual. As for Nina Nunes, the wife of Amanda made her return for the first time since giving birth last year in April. She suffered a round one armbar loss to Mackenzie Dern, one of the, if not the best grappler in the women's strawweight division. And at that point, Nina Nunes was actually ranked number five in the strawweight division. So she was in a pretty good place, but now she's moving up a weight class. She is going to be competing in the flyweight division. And of course, given that she's the wife of Amanda Nunes, you just know that she's been putting in the work for this moment. So I expect a much better showing for Nina Nunes than in her last appearance up against Mackenzie Dern. This one, it's really tough to pick a winner. So let's get stuck into a few more things about them before I make my pick, starting with Nina Nunes. The 36-year-old is a Florida native with a black belt in Taekwondo, as well as being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. Nunez formerly trained at American Top Team, and now she trains alongside Amanda Nunez as they are starting up a new gym. So Nunez moving away from American Top Team, both of them, and now they are doing their own thing. Nina has a UFC record standing at 4-4, four and four, so she's going to look to get that 
balancing out on the winner's side. So she's really keen for a win here. And if she can do so, well, she may very well crack the women's flyweight top 15. As for Cynthia Calvillo, the 34-year-old is from California, representing the American Kickboxing Academy. Calvillo has a range of styles, from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to her wrestling, and she also practices Muay Thai, so she is a threat on the feet, and you do have to be careful standing with someone like Cynthia Calvillo. Since moving to flyweight, Cynthia has amassed a 1-3 record, so she desperately needs a win in this one, with her spot in the top 15 potentially up for grabs. If Nina Nunes wins, she will move into the top 15, and it remains to be seen whether Cynthia will hold her spot in the rankings altogether, although the retirement of Jessica I suggests that Cynthia won't drop out of the top 15 with a loss, but it will definitely hurt her chances in terms of eventually working her way to a title shot. So it's a pivotal fight for both women, and only one of them are going to be able to get their hand raised. So it's an intriguing contest. I think they're very evenly matched as well, and plenty at stake given the ranking implications. Onto the advantages now, and the level of activity has been a lot higher for Cynthia Calvillo. She's been constantly in action, so level of activity definitely belongs to Calvillo. As far as the striking, I think it's going to be pretty even, but I'll actually give the edge to Nina Nunes, especially given that she will have been putting in work, as I said, with Amanda. So I think she's going to come with a whole range of weapons, potentially some that we have not seen before. So highly excited about that but I do think that grappling, experience, and level of competition all belong to Cynthia Calvillo. So in terms of the advantages, whilst they're the same size, I think a lot of that weighs in favor of Cynthia Calvillo. So very tight contest, but now definitely leaning towards Calvillo. I have gone her before though, including the fight against Andrea Lee, and I have been burnt. So considering all options in this one. And I guess you have to, given how much is on the line here, the former top five strawweight in Nina Nunes trying to crack another division's rankings. Very big accomplishment if she can do so. Up against Calvillo, holding on to that number 11 spot. And a win here should ensure that she gets a top 10 opponent next and a chance to work her way back into the division's top 10. So for Calvillo, this could be a career-defining performance. I know that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but if she loses this, we may not see her get back into the top 10. So this here lies as one of the most important fights of both women's careers. Checking out recent form, starting with Nina Nunes, she is 0-1 since returning from giving birth. Uh, I think that's the best indicator of recent form. It had been a while since she was in action before that. And it's also her flyweight debut, so quite hard to know exactly what we're going to get from Nina Nunes. And as for Calvillo, she is on a three-fight losing skid, so neither woman commanding a hell of a lot of attention in terms of when you look at the flyweight division and how many guns there are now with Manon Fior, Casey O'Neill amongst a couple of them, but there are plenty more, so... I think in that flyweight division, there are a lot more names that are catching my attention, but this is a chance for both to pick up the win. Calvillo especially needs this, given that she's on a three-fight losing skid. And for Nina Nunes, well, it's been a long time since she has tasted victory. So plenty to fight for in this one. That makes the bounce back factor very high. And stylistically, I think this is going to be a grappling heavy contest. I can see Calvillo using her wrestling to just edge out a decision over the full 15 minutes. 
And whilst you could flip a coin to pick who's going to win this, given how tight it is, I am going to take a stab at picking who I think will win, and I'm going to go with Cynthia Calvillo by decision. Now, there are a whole range of options that could go down in this fight. Ultimately, though, as I said, I think Calvillo is going to use her wrestling to really just edge out a, a pretty close decision. So I think this one, it's going to be tight. It's going to be about those little moments that really decide the fight. And I think in those stages, Cynthia Calvillo and her grappling, that's going to be what gets the better of those close, close exchanges. So in this woman's flyweight contest, with not a great deal of confidence, I'm going to be taking Cynthia Calvillo over Nina Nunes, and I'm going to take Calvillo by decision. So best bet for this one, probably that it's going to go the distance. I'd say best bet for the fight to go the distance. And once it goes the distance, I have Calvillo getting her hand raised. So taking Cynthia Calvillo by decision, let's now move on a fair way up in terms of weight class, all the way from women's flyweight right up to heavyweight. showdown we have jared vandera up against the vanilla gorilla chase sherman this one is set to be a hoss fest no doubt one punch knockout power is on display here so if either guy make even one mistake they could have their lights shut out cold neither man has been overly impressive though in fact chase sherman was actually cut earlier this year from the ufc before taking a late notice opportunity and re-earning himself a contract so only a few short months ago, Chase Sherman was totally cut from the UFC. They said, pack your bags, we're pretty much done. It was his second stint. Neither time did he make any kind of impact, but Chase Sherman, he is back in the fold here, up against Jared Vandera, a graduate of the Dana White Contender Series 2020. He had a round one TKO over Harry Hunsucker to earn himself a contract and force people to take notice of him. Then Vandera... Look, he entered the UFC, but things haven't been smooth sailing. Only one win in Vandera's five UFC appearances, with three straight losses to boot up against Alexander Romanov, Andrei Arlovsky, and Alexei Olenek last time out. Arlovsky, well, that result was contentious. A lot of people feel as though Vandera won, but this is why you don't leave it to the judges. So Vandera, still on a three-fight losing skid, Dropped his last one in the first round by submission up against Alexei Olinik. And now Vandera, he really, really needs to get things going. Badly needs a win. And if he should lose, well, he may very well, can't speak English, face the same challenge Chase Sherman did. Like, his future could very well be decided by a loss here or a win. So this is a vital opportunity for Jared Vandera to show us what he showed on the Contender Series. That he is a bona fide heavyweight badass but unfortunately we just have not seen that side of him since entering the ufc so vandera the time is now to make a run otherwise it may be too little too late as for chase sherman he was cut from the ufc after three consecutive losses but returned in april losing in round one by submission up against alexander romanov that makes it four fights in a row that Sherman has lost, and undoubtedly this is his last chance in the promotion, given that he has a UFC record of three wins and nine losses. So very far from impressive. You don't have a lot of guys with a record that poor inside the UFC. 
and a loss here, and that's all but it as far as Chase Sherman in the UFC goes. With both men's future at stake, there is everything to fight for, and it has to be wondered, at the end of this one, who will be standing tall? Jumping into the profiles now, starting with the vanilla gorilla Chase Sherman, and the 32-year-old American trains at Sanford MMA. Sherman is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu blue belt, as well as being a purple belt in kickboxing, so definitely his strength lies on the the striking exchanges, as I said, can't speak English. But yeah, on the feet is where Chase Sherman is most comfortable. I don't expect any kind of grappling from him here unless it's his opponent that initiates initiates it. So yeah, I don't expect to see Chase Sherman engage in a ton of grappling. Stand up definitely where he's more comfortable. But look, he needs a win however he can get it with his UFC record, as I mentioned, standing at 3-9. and nine. As for Jared Vandera, the 30-year-old American trains at Dan Henderson's Athletic Fitness Center, and Vandera is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, so a major discrepancy in the area of jiu-jitsu. And Vandera is also a wrestler with serious knockout power, so I think he has a lot more of a varied skill set than that of Chase Sherman, although his record not that much more impressive, standing at one win and four losses. Now onto the advantages in this fight, and Jared Vandera, a much larger man, he weighs a lot more too, so I think there's going to be a lot more power behind his strikes, and he's also got the reach advantage, so I think in terms of the striking on the feet, that should bode well for Vandera, he definitely has the advantage in the power department, although I think the speed lies with Sherman. Striking and grappling wise, I think Jared Vandera has the edge, so... Overall, I am expecting him to get this one done, but in saying that, I have absolutely zero faith in either of these guys when it comes to putting my money where my mouth is. Level of competition, fairly even. Both of them have faced a couple of the same guys. Both faced Arlovsky and lost. Both, both faced Romanov and lost. So level of competition, even. And their experience is about even. So they're pretty much in the same kind of ballpark as far as heavyweights and it's not in the elite ballpark with the greatest of respect to both so really this one it's not one that i am super pumped for i do think the finish factor is high though so really hoping that we get to see a big heavyweight finish and both guys no doubt going to be keen for the bounce back so there is that bounce back factor where both guys really want to put their recent form behind them and stylistically i think that's going to lead to a straight up brawl here if Vandera wants to take that kind of point of difference, then he can utilize his wrestling throughout stages of this fight, but ultimately I think it's going to be dirty, I think it's going to be rough, and I think it is going to be one hell of a brawl. Now before I make my official pick, I'll jump into the professional records of both fighters, starting with Chase Sherman, whose record stands at an unenviable 15 wins and 10 losses. The key statistic here Chase Sherman, when he is at his best, he wins by knockout. That is highlighted by this stat. 14 of Chase's 15 wins have come by way of knockout. So there is no doubt in my mind if Chase Sherman is to get it done here, he's got to go for the big knockout finish. But I've said that before, and he's the last couple of fights, he's been finished with ease. So whilst he does have 14 of 15 wins by knockout, Chase Sherman, he hasn't really shown that he's up to UFC level. 
Overall, he has 14 wins by knockout and one decision, but he's winless in his last four, so he's got to get a win however it may come. And his 10 losses, they've been split through a few different methods. Chase Sherman has been knocked out four times, lost twice by submission, and he's also lost four times by decision. So, look, no matter what area this fight goes in, or what direction, rather, Chase Sherman has proven that he can lose in that method, so that is a bit worrying. And as far as his wins, it seems to be like a one-trick pony kind of situation where if he's not going to knock you out, then he's highly unlikely to get the win. Maybe I'm being harsh, but I've watched a bit of Chase Sherman recently. I've seen his last few fights, and after the last one, or not the last one, the one before that, up against Jake Collier, I kind of felt like I actually went for Chase Sherman, and he ended up getting submitted like straight away. Uh, but I felt like if Chase Sherman wasn't going to win then, then I felt like I was probably going to give up on him and that that ship had sailed. So extremely harsh, extremely harsh. And I really hope he can prove me wrong. But as you can tell, Chase Sherman, definitely not on my one to watch list. As for Jared Vandera, his professional record going into this one stands at 12 and 8. And the key statistic Vandera has 10 finishes from his 12 wins. So this guy able to fight the finish, fight the finish, finish the fight. Uh, now I'm dyslexic apparently. And look, he can get the stoppage. So for Vandera, I think things look a lot more promising for him. 10 finishes from 12 wins with seven knockouts, three submissions and two decision victories. As for the losses, Vandera has been knocked out twice submitted three times, and he's lost by decision three times. So again, these guys have proven that across different areas of the fight, they are vulnerable. And my opinion as far as this one goes, I've got to be honest, I have very low interest levels in this one. It's another difficult pick, but yeah, this, it doesn't feel like the winner is eventually going to start pressing for higher honors. It feels like they're about where they should be. So interest levels low, but I do hope that I am proven wrong here. With that being said, I'm just going to jump straight into my prediction, and that is Jared Vandera by knockout. No confidence in this whatsoever, given that both men not in great form at all, but I've watched both closely over their last few fights. I have preview and predicted, or previewed and predicted a couple of their more recent fights as well, so I have quite a good understanding on where they're at, what they have to offer, and with that, I just lean slightly towards Jared Vandera. I can see it going to decision, but I just think with where both guys are at, they need a finish. It needs to be a big knockout. Otherwise, it's pretty much just going to keep them where they are. So quite a harsh preview, this one. But in the end, heavyweight action, I am taking Jared Vandera over Chase Sherman by knockout. So best bet for that one, I'd go Vandera head to head. And yeah, official prediction, Vandera by knockout. So now we have three fights remaining. I've just gone Vandera in the heavyweight division, but the next three fights, they have that more main event level feel to them, and these ones do have serious implications for the futures of their respective divisions going forward. So now with the heavyweight fight in the rearview mirror, let's jump on to our next fight in the bantamweight division. into this bantamweight contest plenty on the line this is a huge fight featuring two fighters that are lingering just outside of the division's top 15. 
You have Brazil's Douglas Silva de Andrade up against Russia's Syed Namagomedov in what shapes is one of the most intriguing clashes taking place this weekend. Looking at the narrative, Douglas Silva is coming off a huge submission win where he survived an early onslaught up against Sergei Morozov to get the emphatic submission in round two. He let the hands go and then ended up choking out his Kazakhstani opponent. So Douglas Silva, that was his second straight win since returning to 135 pounds and he's gone six and four in his 10 UFC showings. What must be noted is that every single one of his losses have been up against the highest level of competition. So Douglas Silva de Andrade is genuinely an elite talent. He may not be a household name, but this guy is more than worthy of being in such a high level matchup. The 37 year old has gone six and four in his 10 UFC showings, as I mentioned, with losses to Rob Font, Puyadian and Lerone Murphy along the way. As for Namagomedov, the Russian's last performance could not have been more impressive. A 47 second submission win over Cody Stamen, where Stamen, like he exposed that neck, it got wrapped up, and very quickly Namagomedov, in impressive fashion, turned it into a chokehold, got that submission win. So a huge win for Namagomedov last time out, only taking 47 seconds to get it done, and extending his UFC record to a healthy five wins and only one loss. Whoever wins this one, you have to expect they'll get a ranked opponent next. This is a really big time matchup for both of these guys. And what could hold the, in the terms of the future, if that makes any English sense, uh, what the future may hold for the winner of this could be very, very exciting. So I think this is a really big one, especially for someone like Douglas, who's 37 years old, doesn't have a hell of a lot of time to make a run. This one has fight of the night written all over it. I think we're going to see a really explosive contest. And yeah, I think while Sayed Namagomedov is the heavy favorite, I do not think the betting market fairly, fairly reflects just how close this contest is in terms of the matchmaking. Checking out the advantages now, height and reach belongs to Namagomedov, whilst Douglas Silva is going to have the experience edge. Speed will go to Namagomedov, who I believe is the younger fighter. Uh, he's just going to have that little bit more pep in his step. And he's proven that a big part of his fight game is actually his movement. So he loves to move around, doesn't like to stay still. A lot of footwork, a lot of movement. So I think in that regard, the speed of Syed Namagomedov has potential to cause Silva a lot of trouble. As for the level of competition, Douglas Silva has had a higher level of competition up until this point, which makes him the perfect test for someone like Namagomedov. Checking out the striking, I believe that's Douglas Silva's range as well. Pretty much all his career wins coming by way of knockout, and this guy is a beast. Like, he doesn't just knock people out, he absolutely destroys them when he lays hands on them. So, striking I would give to Douglas Silva, and the wrestling I would give to Syed Namagomedov. So, don't be surprised if you do see Saeed kind of revert to some wrestling in this fight, just given how dangerous Douglas Silva is when it comes to the exchanges on the feet. Onto the profiles now, starting with Saeed Namagomedov, and the 30-year-old Russian trains with Akhmat Fight Team, and he's a wrestler with outstanding striking, so whilst not being the total all-rounder, he's pretty quality in every aspect, so I think that's going to hold Saeed in pretty good stead in what should be a very tough assignment. His opponent, Douglas de Silva de Andrade, is a 37-year-old Brazilian training at Corinthians MMA. 
Douglas is a kickboxer. He is absolutely known for his blasting knockout power. And he also leans on his Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well, so no slouch when it comes to the grappling either. That was fully on show in his last outing, where he did get that submission win. Both of these fighters are coming off two hugely impressive finishes, and with that being said, I think this is going to be our fight of the night. Uh, the main event, that's another one. Definitely fight of the night potential, but I'm really excited for Namagomedov up against Douglas Silva. The finish factor is high. Both guys are going to have plenty of intent, and stylistically, I think this is going to be a stand-up banger. The confidence levels are high for both of them as well, so... I think this fight just can't go wrong. I think this is going to be a banger no matter what, and I am really keen to see what transpires. On to the professional records overall, and Sayed Namagomedov heads into the Vegas this weekend with an overall record standing at 15 wins and only two losses. Sayed has eight finishes from his 15 wins as well, with four knockouts and four submissions to accompany the seven decisions on his resume. As for the Russians' two losses, he had a unanimous decision loss all the way back in 2014, and he also had a unanimous decision loss to Juani Barcelos, or Hayoni Barcelos. Uh, so yeah, that was a really interesting one, but Said has never been finished. That is definitely something to note, because Douglas Silva, he's a fight finisher, so stylistically, this could be the best battle of the night, and it's been the one that I've had the most trouble... <clears throat> kind of separating and working out exactly which way I think this one's going to go. Another key stat in this one is that Syed Namagomedov has not wasted any time to get his hand raised in his last two outings, with his last two fights lasting a total combined time of 1 minute and 38 seconds in the cage. So only 1 minute and 38 seconds to beat two different opponents and two fairly high-level opponents as well. That shows you just how good Syed Namagomedov is, and he is well and truly deserving of this bantamweight prospect tag. Jumping on now to the pro record of Douglas Silva de Andrade, a very impressive one standing at 28 wins, 4 losses and 1 no contest. As far as the losses in Silva's career, he's had one corner stoppage TKO, the only knockout on his record up against Puyadian, and that was stopped in between rounds, so he hasn't actually been fully knocked out in his whole career, which is very impressive. He's had one submission loss to Rob Font, and he's also had two decision losses, has Andrade. As for the key statistic, though, you will not get a more glaring key statistic in this whole podcast than this one. Douglas Silva de Andrade has 20 of 28 wins by knockout, so... That truly shows you just how powerful this man is and striking absolutely his specialty. 20 of 28 wins is just incredible. So tells you all you need to know about Douglas Silva de Andrade with 20 knockout wins, 2 submissions and 6 decisions on his resume. Let's bear in mind though, Syed Namagomedov has never been knocked out. So that is the main crux of what makes this such an excellent stylistic matchmake if that makes any sense. Um, now, both of these guys are going to test each other's skills out to the absolute maximum. Syed Namagomedov, he's shown in his last couple of fights that he is a fight finisher when he really wants it. And for Douglas Silva de Andrade, he is a bona fide fight finisher. So 
This could be the fight that I'm most excited for stylistically on the card, and if you haven't heard of either of these guys before, just be assured you are in for one hell of a contest, no matter how long it lasts. As for my opinion, highly intrigued by this one, cannot wait to tune in tomorrow morning and see what goes down. And for my prediction, I'm going to take Syed Namagomedov by submission. I was actually leaning toward decision all week, but I think Syed Namagomedov's going to make a statement here. So in a very tight one that I think could go either way, genuinely, Douglas Silva de Andrade, if he lays hands on Namagomedov, there is every chance he shuts his lights out. We've seen Syed lose before as well, albeit only by decision, so we know that it is possible. In the end, though, I'm going to take Syed Namagomedov, and I'm taking him by submission. I think, ultimately, these guys, there's just going to be so much going on that eventually it's just going to turn into chaos, and whoever can capitalize on that chaos is going to have their hand raised. So I've taken Syed Namagomedov over Douglas Silva by submission, and my best bet for this one is a double chance. I'm going for Saeed to win by either submission or decision. So a little bit of a double chance for the best bet. And for my official prediction in this banger of a bantamweight contest, I am taking Saeed Namagomedov over Douglas Silva by submission. So now we only have two fights left. We've gone through the bantamweight one. The main event is still to come, but before the main event, let's now get in to the co-headliner. co-main event featuring two prospects on the rise as Caio Borallo takes on Armin Petrosian. The winner of this one in my opinion was it is only their second appearance each in the UFC. I think the winner is going to start very quickly pushing toward a ranked opponent that seems to be the trajectory that they are going in especially based off their impressive UFC debuts. Both of them are Contender Series graduates, making their sophomore appearances, and both had very impressive debuts in the UFC, so the stock for them is very high at the moment. Whoever gets the win all of a sudden is going to become a very highly touted prospect, whilst the loser is going to have to go back to the drawing board. Now, Baralo actually had two Dana White Contender Series appearances, getting the win by decision the first time around, not earning a contract before... He was recalled to action, given another shot, and the second time around, he absolutely killed it. Second time, lucky, and Baralho earned himself a UFC contract. Then the Brazilian backed that up with a hugely impressive UFC debut back in April, getting the unanimous decision win over Gadzi Omagadziev. Now, there was an early finish to that one because Baralho hit an early knee, and the referee called time, they decided they were going to call it before the third round had actually ended, but they went to the judges' scorecards. Baralho had still been very impressive up to that point, and he'd done enough to secure the victory. So that gave him his first taste of UFC wins, and now he's coming back for more. It's not going to be easy, though, up against Armin Petrosian, who is coming off an unbelievably impressive decision win, albeit a split decision win, over Robocop Gregory Rodriguez. Now, that's a win that has aged like a fine wine, given that Rodriguez has since come out and absolutely starched Julian Marquez. So now I think we're getting an idea just how good Armin Petrosian is. And this is a very intriguing clash between two high-level prospects. So 
Petrosian getting the win over Gregory Rodriguez, split decision, and with that, now he has genuine aspirations to move on to bigger and better things, and that is saying something given the caliber of Gregory Rodriguez. So for Petrosian, he is looking to dominate another fight, get it done over a an opponent who is very highly rated himself, and to be honest, speaking of underrated, this is a very underrated co-main event. Whilst they may not be household names, this is one hell of a matchup. We've got a pure striker, known for just turning people's lights out. And then you've got on the other side, a grappler who has spent his whole life learning techniques to disarm something like striking. So this is going to be a really interesting battle. If Petrosian can get the better on the feet, can he trouble Baralo enough to shut him out? Or can Baralo take the feet or take the fight down, rather, not the feet, his feet can stay where they are, but can Baralo take the fight down to the ground and execute some of his devastating submission maneuvers? This is what makes it very intriguing to me. Great stylistic match, and you should be very excited for this middleweight contest. Jumping onto Armin Petrosian's profile now, and the Armenian is nicknamed Superman. 31 years old and training at Academy MMA. Petrosian is a kickboxer that is hands down his style and he implements it to perfection. So Barallo is going to have to be very, very careful because Petrosian has shown that he is a high level kickboxer. Petrosian's record in the UFC stands at 1-0, same as his opponent Barallo, whose UFC record also stands at one win and no losses. Speaking of Barallo, the 29-year-old is nicknamed The Natural from Brazil and representing Combat Club. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu expert. This is absolutely his specialty, and that's what makes this a pure contest of imagination. Like, who is going to get the better? Is it going to be the striker? Is it going to be the grappler? What if the striker can wobble the grappler? What if the grappler can totally disarm the striker? Plenty of questions, and they're going to have to take place or take the fight to places that maybe they don't want to go. For Baralo, maybe he's going to end up having to be in a stand-up war. And for Petrosian, is he going to get wrestled and just in a grinding contest where he's trying to fight his way to the feet? So really, really interested as to which way this goes. I'll be watching with a vested, keen interest because I genuinely am not 100% sure right now. I had Petrosian losing to Gregory Rodriguez, so I was even more so impressed with his win. And I actually went against Kaio Burallo in his debut as well. So there's a bit of a head-scratcher. Makes it a bit more difficult to bet in terms of form. Now, jumping on to the advantages, Burallo has a slight experience advantage, as well as being the superior grappler. For Petrosian, he's the much better striker. He's taller, but he is going to give up 10 centimeters in reach to his Brazilian opponent. And that reach advantage could come into play and become a really crucial factor. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, given that this fight has so much at stake. A top 15 place is in the sights of the winner here. Will they go straight into the top 15 off a win? Probably not, but you'd have to say a win sets them up perfectly to take on someone in that top 15. Maybe someone like a Brad Tavares or Uriah Hall. I know they've both just fought, but I mean... These guys are about to fight as well, so maybe timeline-wise that'll work out, but these guys have to worry about each other first. The most important step is having their hand raised inside the apex this weekend. 
Checking the pro records, Caio Borralho has a pro record standing at 11 wins, one loss and one no contest. His one loss was all the way back in his second pro fight. That was a unanimous decision seven years ago. So quite some time since the Brazilian has been defeated, going on an 11 fight unbeaten run since then. Seven finishes from 11 victories as well. So Baralho, he's not just there to rest on his laurels. He is there to get the finish and he doesn't mind an early finish either with six finishes being first round. So seven of his 11 victories have been finishes. Six of those seven finishes coming in the very first round. So this guy is dangerous. Both of them are in that first five minutes. And I think from the get-go, this contest is going to be an absolute banger. What have I got next? We have overall wins for Baralho, four knockouts, three submissions, and four decisions. So he's pretty well versed wherever the fight may take him. And as for Armin Petrosian, he heads into Vegas this weekend with a professional record standing at seven wins and one loss. That one loss was a round one TKO outside of the UFC back in 2021. So not all that long ago that Petrosian has tasted defeat. Six of his seven wins by knockout. That is my key stat for Armin Petrosian. The Armenian has serious power, very much a quality kickboxer with strong credentials. So you've got to be very, very careful on the feet with him. That is evident by his six of seven wins by way of knockout, with his overall wins standing at six knockouts and one decision victory. One thing that I always consider as well is the finish factor. And in this one, it is high. You've got two serious threats, but I do think they will respect each other's skill set as well. I don't think they're going to try and rush the finish. So whilst the finish factor is high, I can see both of these guys taking a cautious approach. And stylistically, this is purely a striker up against a grappler. I can't wait to see which style gets the ascendancy in this particular battle. And they're bigger middleweight boys as well. So they're going to get tired. That is going to open up some gaps for one or the other to take control and exploit a weakness to get the finish. In my opinion, I can't wait for this one. Two top prospects, and one of them is going to come out of this with a hell of a lot of hype behind their name. In my opinion, that is going to be Caio Boralho. Really not sure on this one, given that I've gone against both of them in their US, UFC debuts, and both of them extremely impressive. So I'm going with what I saw the most of, and that was Caio Baralho. I really, really took notice from his win. And so in a very tight middleweight co-main event, I'm going to take the Brazilian Caio Baralho up against Armin Petrosian. And I'm going to take Baralho by decision. So ultimately, I think this is going to be a very tight contest. But Baralho with his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I think he's going to find a way just to out-grapple his opponent, not take too much damage, and try have some output on the feet himself. So I think this one's going to go the distance, but will not be surprised at all if we see a finish. In the end, though, got to make a prediction, and I am taking Caio Baralho by decision. With that being said, that is our middleweight action done. That is every fight on this card predicted, gone through the preview from the prelims all the way up except for one. Now it's time to get into the big one, the one that matters the most. It is time to jump in to the lightweight main event. Alright, one fight to go. That is our lightweight main event as the number 
seven-ranked lightweight Rafael Dos Anjos in a battle of the Rafaels takes on Rafael Fazif, currently ranked in that number 10 position. Now, this was originally scheduled to take place in mid-February, but Fazif was forced out of this contest. Uh, so Rafael Dos Anjos had a short-notice opponent, Renato Moicano, and that was a five-round unanimous decision win for Rafael Dos Anjos. So, look, we've seen Renato Moicano up against both men. Fazif managed the finish, whereas Rafael Dos Anjos, he got a clear-cut win, but wasn't able to get that finish. So he had a fine tune-up, got himself ready for what should be an excellent main event here. Five rounds with a big impact on the makeup of the top 10 going forward. As for Fazeev, he is on a five-fight win streak, with his last outing being a third-round finish over Brad Riddle. Now, with that win, Fazeev moved into 10th spot in the rankings, and now he seems perfectly poised to make a run for the title. As far as his profile, the 29-year-old Rafael Fazeev trains at Tiger Muay Thai as well as Sanford MMA, and he is a Muay Thai fighter with a UFC record, standing at five wins and one loss. As for his namesake, Rafael Dos Anjos, nicknamed RDA, the 37-year-old Brazilian represents Evolve MMA and is a Southpaw Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, as well as having skills in Muay Thai. So a very well-rounded veteran is Rafael Dos Anjos, reflected by his UFC record, standing at 20 wins and 11 losses. On to the advantages now for this big main event. Experience and level of competition definitely goes to Dos Anjos, with the striking, I believe, going to Fazeev, although I expect it to be pretty close. Not so much in the grappling, though. I believe RDA has a clear advantage when it comes to the grappling exchanges. Rafael Fazeev, though, he'll be the faster man, and he's also going to boast a reach advantage, so that's going to help him out on the feet. He's also younger, has accumulated less damage, and now he seems like he's hitting his peak, whereas Rafael Dos Anjos has been fighting at such a high level for such a long time. So all of these things definitely come into consideration, as does the ranking spots, with 10th and 5th going at it. This is for a top 5 push. The winner, they set themselves... For a next opponent to give them a chance to work into the top five, winner of this gets a top five opponent, that's the way I see it, and the lightweight division is stacked. So look, one of these men is going to have to take a back seat, fall a little bit back further in the rankings, whereas one, they are going to start surging back toward, or in RDA's case, back toward, in Fazeev's case, toward for the first time that title opportunity. The finish factor in this one I've put as medium. Both guys definitely know how to get the finish, but stylistically, I think this is going to be five rounds of controlled chaos. Onto the pro records now. Rafael Dos Anjos with the record standing at 31 wins and 13 losses, with 16 of the Brazilians' 31 wins coming by way of decision. Overall, Rafael Dos Anjos has five knockout wins, 10 submissions, definitely a key stat, as well as 16 decision victories. Looking at RDA's losses, this is another key stat. 10 of his 13 losses have been by way of decision. He is incredibly durable, has only been finished three times across 44 pro fights, losing twice by knockout and once by submission. But look, the majority of his losses clearly cut by decision. 10 out of 13 losses by way of the judges' scorecards for Dos Anjos. 
As for Fazeev, though, let's get on to his opponent, Rafael Fazeev, 11 and 1 heading into this weekend, with his one loss being an 80 second knockout on his UFC debut. As for the wins for Fazeev, 7 of 11 by knockout, that is his specialty, 7 knockout wins, 1 submission, as well as 3 decisions. Look, I'm not going to keep you too much longer. It's nearly 2 a.m. This card starts in six hours, so let's get the preview and predictions out there. But my opinion, this is going to be a really close fight. I think Rafael Dos Anjos, his clear path to victory is to dominate the grappling exchanges. Whilst for Fazeev, this is going to be a new test. Five-round territory up against a veteran who knows all what it is all about so if it does go to the championship rounds Rafael dos Anjos could definitely edge this one out i expect it to be very tense very closely fought and in the end only one Rafael can stand tall i'm gonna make my prediction right now let's just fucking bang it out right here right now main event cannot wait to get into it tomorrow let's get this prediction done Rafael, i'm going with Rafael. Rafael Fazeev, that is. I'm going to be taking Fazeev. I think he's younger. He's showing the evolution of MMA, going up against a grizzled veteran, a hugely stern test, but I think Fazeev can pass. Whether that's with flying colors or whether that is only just grinding out the victory remains to be seen. But I just think the younger, faster athlete should be able to get the win here in what I expect to be a full 25-minute contest. So in the main event of UFC Vegas 58, I'm going to be taking Rafael Fazeev over Rafael Dos Anjos. Cannot wait to see how this one goes down, but I'm taking Fazeev. Not heaps of um, method behind it other than I'm just a fan. And in a very tight one, I just had to pick who do I think is going to get it done if this goes the full five rounds. And I was actually leaning toward RDA, but in the end, I'm, I'm going to make an official pick, and that is Rafael Fazeev by decision. I think this one's going to go the distance, and I think they're going to be very, very close. It's going to be a big test. The grappling of Dos Andros does worry me a lot when it comes to putting my money on Fazeev. But in the end, I do think we've got a prospect to watch on our hands and someone who is not done in the slightest at lightweight. So for that reason, I'm going to be taking Rafael Fazeev over Rafael Dos Anjos in the main event. And with that, Fazeev will begin his top five push. He will start to work toward an eventual title shot. And it's very exciting times, not just for Rafael Fazeev, but also for Dos Anjos, who will really be aiming to get the win here. But I'm going with Fazeev. I think the younger, faster striker is going to get his hand raised. But again, like the theme across this whole card, not a lot of confidence in my picks, which doesn't happen every week. I usually have an all right level of confidence. For this card, very, very shaky ground. I genuinely don't know which way most of the fights are going to go. Makes it very hard to make a call, but I've made my call. And that is Rafael Fazeev by decision in this main event. And with that being said, we are only a few hours away from the card starting. I'm going to go to bed, I think at least. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to get up for the card tomorrow. I will be jumping straight into UFC thoughts and comments. So I'll be releasing a live podcast 
straight after the card has finished with my live reactions and comments on all of the fights. So if you've enjoyed these podcasts, then you're definitely going to enjoy the thoughts and comments. I've previewed everything. It's always good to have a sit down and talk about things with some hindsight as well. So I'll have an in-depth take on all the action for tomorrow's card, UFC Vegas 58. And do not forget to follow us on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report, as well as following us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You'll be able to see immediately after Vegas 58 when the Thoughts and Comments podcast drops. That's all from me. I guess, yeah, now it's time for me to fuck up my outro as usual. But yeah, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you'll be there tomorrow to listen to Thoughts and Comments once it is posted. And that is all. So for me and everyone here sitting with me, which is looking around no one, um, that's it. That is it for today. Not forever. I will be back tomorrow, as I mentioned, and next week for the next preview and predictions. Some massive fight nights coming up and a big pay-per-view as well. So a lot to look forward to. None more so than the card tomorrow. So until tomorrow and thoughts and comments, take care of yourselves and enjoy the fights.